Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Now, if you want to say, well, I'm a Gentile Christian, that's fine with me. But realistically, you don't want to say that. You just want to say, I'm a Christ follower, right? That's who I am. Because it's no different, Jew, Gentile. Our spiritual identity and our worth comes from being in Christ. That's who you are. You're either in Christ or you're not in Christ. You're either close to God or you're far away from God. It's not complicated. And what separates us from God? Our sin. That's why we came to Christ. That's why Jesus died for us. In the early church, there were conflicts between the Jewish believers and the non-Jewish or Gentile believers. Ever since then, there have been conflicts between different flavors of Christianity. While sometimes the differences were between what was biblical and what wasn't, too often the conflict was between opposing preferences rather than actual doctrine. Pastor Mark will be teaching about the reality of the destruction of barriers through the death and resurrection of Jesus. You'll learn why it matters what you believe and who you follow because without the truth, you'll never find true peace. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Ephesians chapter 2 as he continues his message, All Christ followers have peace, oneness, and open access to God. Moses writes, talking to the Jews, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the faith of the earth to be his people, his treasured possessions. So that was something that they held so tightly because they belonged to God. Number three, the Gentiles, before they were believers, were without God's promised blessings from the covenants with the Jews. The Gentiles didn't even understand covenants. They didn't understand the promises that God would make to the Jewish people. But the Jews did. From Abraham, God made covenants. And later, there were more covenants that came. And God promised that they would be not only a nation, but they'd have the land of Israel. Do you think the land of Israel today that was given by God to Abraham to be forever, do you think that's still argued about at all? Hello, turn on the television. It's still argued all the way today. And everybody else that argues about that is wrong. It's God's land. It was given all those days. But also, remember the promise I told you. God said to Abraham, from you, and remember, Abraham and Sarah were childless, but you will come a miracle. And through that line, the Messiah will come because he wanted to bless the whole world. Number four, Gentiles were without any hope for today and the future. You see, when you serve God, you have hope. You have hope for today. You have hope for the future. The Gentiles had neither. And the Gentiles lived every day with no hope. Why would they have no hope? Well, their gods were made of stone 
and wood. There's no hope. How can this, how can this podium respond to me? Can't respond to me at all. Has no feelings for me. In essence, they were godless following Satan, whose goal was to steal, kill, and destroy. And here we come to another word, access again. Number five, the Gentiles were without access to the one true God. Now think about this. No hope, no access to God. What would it be like living every day, every day you got up, no hope? Now let me ask you a question. Now I want you to be honest, you're in church. Has anybody in the last six months gotten up one morning out of bed, had a cup of coffee, and you kind of sat down and go like, man, I, that, that situation, I don't have any hope today. Any, anybody like that? Okay, the rest of you are lying through your teeth. <laughs> Many days we get up and go, I don't think this is going to work very well, is it? You know what I'm saying? How would you like to do that 365? How would you like to get up up your day, have no hope? For today or the future, there's no security. You have no idea when you're going to die. You know you're going to die, but you have no hope. And you have no access to God, who's the only one that can give you hope. How horrible is that? Well, let me ask you a question. Is there anybody in the world that lives like that? Both of those things. Billions. Billions of people. Thousands in our communities Thousands of people that you brush up against, that you eat lunch with, that you go to work with, that are in your schools, that you are neighbors with. They won't say it, but they have no hope. See, Jesus is the hope of the world. And if they have no hope, they have no access to God because they don't really believe, most of them, that there even is a personal God. Now, look at verse 13. This verse should remind you of something. How does Paul start verse 13? Say the first two words. But everybody in the world started what? Dead in their trespasses and sin. And later when we got down to verse 5, but God. The word but means big change coming. Big change coming. Anybody looking forward to the big change coming? So Paul says, you were Gentiles. You had none of those five things. But now, look at the verse. But now, in Christ Jesus, you Gentiles, who were once far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Wow. What he says is this, something radicals happened. I know that was the old you, but I know I'm talking now to believers, Gentile believers in the church. You now are, remember what we told you when we started the book of Ephesians? Paul loved these words, in Christ. That means that you have a personal relationship with Christ. He said, in Christ, everything has changed. All the blessings of God are yours. See, people, if you want to make it very simple, people are either in Christ or outside of Christ. Remember, he said you were far off, but now you're near. That's the difference. Now, how do you get in Christ? Well, you ask him to forgive you of your sins. But notice at the end of that paragraph, 
they were once far away, but now they have access to God and all of his benefits. Now they're brought near to Christ. They have a personal relationship with Christ, in Christ. Now, what enabled them to come and have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Look at the end of the verse. You have been brought near by what? You remember if we talked about the blood of Christ? Without the shedding of blood, no remission of sin. So the change was due to Christ dying on the cross, shedding his blood for all people. Now all people, including Gentiles, could have access to Jesus Christ by faith. You know this verse by heart. For God so loved the Jews... No, it means world. It means everybody. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that Jews who believe in him, Gentiles only that believe in him, no, that whoever, who's whoever? It's whoever. Jews and Gentiles. Believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. See, that was always God's purpose. Remember, he created the nation of Israel Not to be proud, but to be witnesses, to be missionaries, because he loved the whole world. Now, look at verse 14. For he himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has made two groups one. What would the two groups be? Jews and Gentiles. He made them how many? One. And has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. He destroyed what separated them. Now watch this. The word peace, in this particular case, the word is not the normal word we see often in the Bible, peace, shalom. This word, it means to join. It means there's going to be a oneness. There's going to be a unity. It means to join together that which is separated. So Paul introduces true peace as oneness. It's not just the end of the prejudice. It is that, but it means the conflict is over. The prejudice is gone. And now the two of you are one. You're operating together. Now, notice what we just read. For he himself is our peace. Next thing you want to write. The key to oneness is not a formula. The key to oneness is peace. Jesus himself is our peace. See, the only way you can have access to God is through Jesus Christ. He made that available to all of us. Now, the kind of oneness that God wants is not singular. The kind of oneness God wants, you can look up here, you can see our cross. Here's a cross. A cross is man and God, vertical. But the Ten Commandments were to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, body, spirit. Here, vertical. But was that the last part of it? No, we're to love who? People, people next to us. Let's do it again. We've done this many years. Here we go. Here we get your hands ready. Wake your neighbor up there snoring even. Here we go. Love God and love people. Okay. Now, he's making oneness. The first thing he wants when you get saved isn't oneness with people. The first thing he wants with you and me is oneness with who? God. Remember the Ten Commandments? The first four commandments relate to our relationship with God. The next six, with people. So the very first thing he wants 
He wants a oneness to God. Take a look at this and you can write it down. You can see where Paul's going with this. First, God wants both Jews and Gentiles to be at peace with him, to be at one with him. Jesus brought peace to us by dying on the cross, which enabled him to unite two people groups, Jews and Gentiles, into one. Now they are in Christ. So, by the way, let me say something to you. You will never be in unity with people until you're in unity with God. Because you'll be prejudiced. We have that in all of our lives. We have that enmity. We have the things. See, a lot of people look at their marriage and go, well, how come my marriage isn't like oneness? God said the two will become one. The husband and the wife will become one. But marriage is a threesome. It's God at the top. He makes the two into one. So your marriage, if it's healthy, you have to have peace. You have to have a oneness with God first. Each spouse has to have that. And then the marriage is healthy. Do you got it? That's the way life works. Now, look at the second one again. You see it right there. When you see that happening in a person, the identity of the individual groups is kind of gone. No longer do I call myself a Gentile believer. No longer does a Jew say, well, I'm a Jewish believer. No. What we just say is, we're in Christ. That's who I am. I want you to write this down. Lots of people get their worth from all kinds of things. Money, talents, background, what nationality you are. No, our worth is amazing. Now, if you want to say, well, I'm a Gentile Christian, that's fine with me. But realistically, you don't want to say that. You just want to say, I'm a Christ follower, right? That's who I am. Because it's no different, Jew, Gentile. Our spiritual identity and our worth comes from being in Christ. That's who you are. You're either in Christ or you're not in Christ. You're either close to God or you're far away from God. It's not complicated. And what separates us from God? Our sin. That's why we came to Christ. That's why Jesus died for us. Now, look at verse 14. He destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. When you look at the temple, many of you don't have a lot of background in the Old Testament because you're kind of new new to Christianity. The Jewish temple in Jerusalem was the only place on earth where God placed his name and where men could approach him. The presence of God was back here in one of these other little buildings at the the holies of holy. And this is where the Jews would go. And they knew that they were special people because God was there in the temple. Now, if a Gentile person wanted to worship the true God, first they have to convert to Judaism. But then they were still isolated. There would be a court of the men, the court of the women. And look at where the Gentiles are. They would not be anywhere near the Holy of Holies. In fact, there was a sign placed around for the Gentiles. So if you walked in and the the Jewish women are there and the Jewish guys are there, and you're out here in this court, like at the football game, in the last row 150 feet up. Would you feel apart? No, that's a wall that what? Look at the Gentiles over there. Now, here's what happened. There was a sign put up that made it worse. Listen to this. True story. Absolutely happened there. We have pictures of it. Gentile converts were only allowed to access that court of the Gentiles, as I told you. Denied access to any other area. 
as the other Jews are going all over, there's where they stay. There was a sign. It said, no trespassing. Let no one of any other nation come within the fence and barrier around the holy place. Whoever is caught doing so will himself be responsible for the fact that his death will ensue. You move out of that and try to go in one of the other areas, you're done. Now, I would call that a separation, wouldn't you? Now, let's look at that picture. If you lived in the Old Testament and you even went to the temple, there was only one person that could approach God. Remember the word we use? Could access the presence of God. That would be in the Holy of Holies. That person would be the high priest. He could do it one day a year. And by the way, he had to cleanse himself of his sins. And they came up with a thing that that high priest would go in. They would give him a rope with a bell tied to his feet. And he went in. Because if God didn't accept his sacrifices for all the people, something was wrong with him, he would be dead. And they'd have to pull out the high priest. How many would like to sign up for that job? Anybody? So think of this. The Jews themselves basically had no access to God. It always went through a priest. It always went through somebody else. But that was going to all end. Now, when you think about this, the Jewish temple had no purpose when Jesus came. Because what did you do at the Jewish temple? You made sacrifices of animals for your sins. Now that Jesus went to the cross, how many sins of the world did he take on him? Everybody's. Does he continue to do it to this day? No. He did it once, forever. Forever. For everybody. Past, present, future. That's why he said these words. It, come on, is finished. So there's no reason to go to the temple, and you're going to see this in a moment, because the presence of God moved from the temple to me and you. When the Holy Spirit came into you, you became the temple of the Holy Spirit. You became the temple of God. Wow. Now, just start thinking. What does that have to do with access? Oh, you'll see that in a moment. Now, how exactly did God create peace between two diverse groups of people and make them one? Look at verse 15. By setting aside in his flesh the law with his commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, making them one, putting those that were separate back to one. Verse 16, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. You see, one other thing separated the Jews and the Gentiles. It was the law that God gave. And the Ten Commandments were part of that law, but then the Jewish people added 613 other laws. Now remember, the Gentiles knew nothing about the law. There's nothing. 
And all of a sudden, what happens is, when, when this is there, why did God give the law in the first place? To show men, to show you and me, we couldn't keep it. We could never keep How'd you, I mean, 613, how many think keep every one of those every single day? Impossible. Impossible. So what did God do? He gave the law, but when Jesus died on the cross, he finished the law. He fulfilled the law. He was sinless. It was perfect. It was done. And he said to the law, bye-bye. And then he put two commandments. Love God with all your heart. With all your soul and all your mind, love your neighbor as yourself. This encompasses the whole law. Isn't that better than 613? I'll take that. But sometimes we have trouble here, don't we? Mm-hmm. So that's what happened. Now, what is this one body that Jesus is talking about? What is this barrier? Well, let me share with you. When that was eliminated... He created, notice, a new humanity. Ooh, sounds alive. A new humanity into one body. Here's what Jesus did. He took two groups of people. Jesus created a new people. What was common? Faith in Christ, which brought peace and oneness with God and man. So Jesus reconciled the division between the Jews and the Gentiles, and he put them in one new body. What kind of body is that, Pastor Mark? Come on, get with it. Here it is. The one new body is the church of Jesus Christ, and Jesus is the head. See, he put all people, and he put them in one thing, the body of Christ, which is the church all over the world of people that are in Christ. It's not a denomination. It's not Calvary Chapel. It's not the Baptist Church. It's not the Presbyterian Church. It's not the Catholic Church. It's one body of believers. Now, when you see that happening, you see who the head is. Of course, (laughs) it's Jesus. Who could be other than the head? Now, look at verse 17. He came and preached, Jesus, peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Now, that word preach means good news. You can be saved. You can be forgiven of all your sins. Now, when did Jesus do that? Well, one day, remember, he went into the synagogue in his hometown, and they opened the book of Isaiah, and Jesus read out of it. Here's one thing he read. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Jesus came so that everybody could have access to God, love God, and love their neighbors. That's why he came. And when he came, he came with truth and grace rather than laws and condemnation. Wow. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark spoke about the uniqueness of the Jewish people. He talked about how they were the only ones with access to God. You learned that the Jews were supposed to spread the good news to the other nations, but they failed in that. Fortunately, Jesus came and made salvation available to all people, intending to break down all of the barriers men put between one another. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. 
We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will complete his teaching, All Christ Followers Have Peace, Oneness, and Open Access to God. He'll be teaching about the sacrifice on the Day of Atonement and its significance for you in this age. You'll learn about the concept of Jesus as the last sacrifice that would be needed and the benefits that you've received as a result of this act. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast from all of the production team, your Lessons for Living. We want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is giving.